0: Uh, We'll be reading uh, verses 1 to 22, so that's Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 22. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God all those who heard him were astonished and asked isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name and hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah amen and may God bless the reading of his word If you'd just like to watch the screens now, we have a video presentation. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions, like why am I here? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with, is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. At 28, Gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. You know, my girlfriend was on the cover of magazines. I had a Beamer, and I was so unhappy. It was a realization, maybe, that I would I would never find happiness where I was looking for. I think for so many years, you know, I always just strive to be strong in myself. All I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, we'd be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. I found purpose, I found meaning, I found hope. God took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece. Alpha is a place where you can be yourself, you can say what you think and challenge everything. No question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's. We are going on a journey together. An adventure to explore the questions of life, faith and meaning. I think you'll agree we're all on a journey and uh, when we consider our life with Christ it becomes this great adventure and I want to encourage you we were praying for 100 people to come to Alpha at the moment we have 20 the vast majority of those people are congregational members we start Thursday you still have opportunity to invite your friends Uh, This week I spoke with a few people who have been inviting friends. There's one young female who has invited a number of her friends and all of her friends declined but you know what, she's still inviting people. She's not giving up. Uh, I spoke to another fellow in the church and uh, he contacted one of his mates and he thought that that guy would really want to come to Alpha and would want to know about his faith and things like that and he said respectfully, no, thank you. And so then he contacted another guy who he basically did thinking there's absolutely no way he's going to come, but he is coming. So guys, you never know what is going to happen. And this is totally non-confrontational. It's an easy way of bringing people into the kingdom. And if they come, there's a great opportunity for them to learn about Christ. So can I encourage you to do that? Coralie is also, Coralie Lowe is also looking for people to join the prayer team uh, for the eight weeks of... Alpha. So if you'd like to do that, please contact Coralie as well. Text message, she would love to receive something um, so that she knows you want to receive those requests for prayer and updates as Alpha continues. But please be praying, starts this Thursday and uh, it'd be great for you guys to invite some people before Thursday and so we see many more people uh, coming along to that. Well, as you're aware, we have been doing a series on... um, being God's chosen instruments, and, and that's continuing through Acts, so we're returning to that now that Easter is, uh, is done and dusted for another year. And for me, it's not possible to read this account of Saul without being blown away by the grace, mercy and compassion of God. When we think about the life of Saul, the way that he was leading his life, there is no way that you and I would nominate him as being one of the people who would be most likely to be reached in faith. He's possibly the most unlikely person to reach the known world at the time with the gospel message. And in chapter 8 we read that Saul agreed with the stoning of Stephen and he's now ravaging the church, he's dragging off men and women, he's throwing them into prison. And so he's greatly feared by Christians. And he has been doing everything in his power to destroy Christianity, to destroy the followers of the way, to destroy those who call upon the name of Jesus. And yet God reached down in grace to this man. He took this man who was totally opposing Jesus and everything and everyone who stood for Jesus. And he becomes one of the most dedicated disciples Living a world changing life which continues to impact the world today. If God used this man so filled with hatred, he can and will use anyone who is willing to acknowledge and submit to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. It comes only through first acknowledging that we are all sinners the only thing we deserve is judgment and hell, nothing else. There is nothing within us that can change our stand before God. It's a work of God himself. And he comes and he meets us where we're at. And he extends grace to us. He did that for Saul. And he does that for each and every one of us. And just as Saul was God's chosen instrument, each and every believer are converted and commissioned. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you again for the power of your word. I want to thank you for this incredible account of Saul's conversion. And Lord, as we dig into this a little bit this evening, I pray you'll just open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. I pray, Lord, you'll touch someone's life tonight and that their life will be changed as a result. This is your time, Lord. Take it and use it for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who are believers, those who say you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want you to pause right now. I want you to think about how you came to faith. Or perhaps think about Some of your friends that you've told about Jesus or perhaps some of those people that you have actually invited to Alpha and some way or another they've put you off or they've rejected your invitation. And as you're on that journey to come to faith, can you look back and can you say, well, Jesus was there all along. He was prodding me. He was encouraging me. He was trying to get my attention, but I chose to suppress that. I chose to put that aside. I chose to ignore it. And the reality is, if we are left to ourselves, if God didn't intervene in our lives, we would never come to him. Those who come to faith, it is a work of his great grace. He keeps on calling, he keeps on drawing, he keeps on convicting, and he keeps on working on us to bring us into that place of salvation. As God pursued us and called us to himself, That's the same way we need to be persistent in praying for our friends, our families and our work colleagues who are yet to know Christ. We can never give up. We need to pursue him. It is God's desire we know that not one be lost. He is the one who speaks of leaving the 99 to find the one. And if you are truly a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ... You can confirm that he did that for you. You can confirm that you felt unworthy and yet he pursued you. And he does that for everyone who's willing to hear his voice and accept his message. But to be one of God's chosen instruments, we first and foremost have an encounter with God. When we think about Saul, Saul is driven by zeal for God. He was born a Jew. He was a Roman citizen. He was educated as a Greek. He is a Pharisee who studied under Gamaliel. And he was blameless in keeping the law. He knew about God. He knew about the promised Messiah, possibly more than anyone else. And yet it was all worthless because he didn't know God. He knew about him, but he didn't know him. And how many are sitting in churches today who've been through kids' church or Sunday school, youth, Christian camping, they've been baptised, they've done everything they need to do, but it's an outward sign. They don't know God. From outward appearances, they do everything right, just like Saul did. And yet everything they've done, the very life that they live, is worthless because they haven't had an encounter with God. They haven't experienced him at all. And we're told in verses 1 and 2 of our passage tonight that... Saul is still ticked. He's bent on eradicating uh, all of these heretics as he sees them. He thinks they're heretics who are insisting that Jesus is the Messiah. And he heads to Damascus intending to round up all of these followers of the way and bring them bound to Jerusalem for judgment. And as he pursues them, something happens. He went on his way and he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. I want you to think about this light for a moment. I'm not sure what you picture when you read this account, but how bright do you think that light is? We know from Acts 22.6 that as Paul approached Damascus around noon, this light shone. It was the middle of the day, it was the brightest part of the day. And yet this light was so incredibly bright... Does God always do this? Shine a bright light from heaven for us when he wants to draw our attention? He didn't do it for me, not on my point of conversion anyway. I didn't see a great light. I didn't fall to the ground. I didn't hear an audible voice from heaven. But God did reach out to me. He initiated the contact. Change is initiated not from within ourselves, but from without. It's the influence of God. It's Holy Spirit upon us. Left to ourselves, we can't know God. We can't hear his call to us. We can't reach out to him. But he so wants us that he's willing to reach into our world, regardless of where we are, regardless of what we are doing, how deep our sin, how wretched we are, how helpless, how worthless we feel. He can and will put all of that aside And by power of Holy Spirit will reveal the reality of himself to you. And in fact to anyone. Saul's conversion is rather spectacular. I'm not sure if there's been another conversion quite like it. But think about the Ethiopian eunuch. He was happily travelling along in a chariot reading a scroll. God still intervened in his life. Think about your own conversion. Whatever you were doing. Some of you may have a spectacular story but there's plenty who, who haven't. It's just God intervened and did something for them, wherever they were, which wasn't a spectacular. If left to ourselves, we pursue happiness, we pursue position, we pursue wealth, status, and so many other things. And yet, even as we heard on that Alpha video, if we were to stop and think about those things, none of it truly satisfies. None of it fills the void each and every human has in their life. That void that can only be filled by God. I grew up in the church. I went through kids' church or Sunday school, whatever you want to say. I was active in youth. I was active in worship. I did all sorts of things. And all through that, God was speaking to me and prompting me But outside of church, I wanted to do my things. I wanted to live my way. I was a hoon and a rev head. I don't know how many laws I broke. But I wanted to do what I wanted. And so I continued to do that. I was rebelling against God. I was rebelling against his call. But then he brought me, and as we've read, he brought Saul to a point of knowing we needed him. And at that point, we experience a conviction of sin. For some reason, people don't like talking about sin. I, I don't get it because I, I, I don't mind talking about sin. I'm a sinner, still am. But God's grace is just so amazing. He just waits, so willing to forgive. And my friends, there can be no salvation without conviction of sin. It's just not possible. It is sin that separates us from God. And so if we want relationship with God, then we have to come to a point of being convicted of our sin. And then we must repent. There is no other way. That's the way it works in Scripture. We know that Saul was zealous for God. He was a persecutor of the church. And he was righteous, blameless under the law. There couldn't have been a man who was more religious, but his religion is pointless, it's worthless, it's as filthy rags in the presence of a glorified Christ. It isn't isn't 100% clear in the passage that we're reading this evening, but I believe, as many commentators do, that Saul was a little conflicted just before this happened. He believed he should defend the Jewish faith and the one true God by wiping out these followers of the way. And yet there were times when he seemed to get a sense that what he was doing was wrong. Saul in his retelling of this account in Acts 26 says that he'd fallen to the ground. He heard this voice saying to him in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. This is something that we didn't get in the passage that we read this evening, but it's the same account. And this tells us again that Jesus has been prodding Saul up to this event. The goat is something they used to use to guide the ox and they'd prod the ox to make it go in the direction they want. And the ox would often kick out and that's what's been referred to here. Jesus has been prompting Saul, he's been trying to get his attention and Saul's just been conflict and fighting against that. He, he doesn't want any part of it. And Saul's been putting aside those promptings and pricks of consciousness, those feelings of things not quite being as they seem. But they all came to a head on the road to Damascus. In 1 Timothy 1.13, Saul uh, tells us that he was acting in ignorance and unbelief. And again, that changes. And he's left face down on the ground, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Could you imagine how horrified Saul was? Everything he opposed concerning Jesus is actually real. He's left in that place where surely no man or woman ever wants to be where they've fallen into the hands of a living God that he doesn't really know. It's worth noting too, Saul didn't persecute Jesus, did he? Not directly. He persecuted the church. And so the obvious conclusion we can draw is if you persecute the church, you persecute Jesus. If you speak against the church, you speak against Jesus. I've got to be honest, that's a place I don't want to be. I don't want to be that person. But what it says to Saul is that the life of a Christian, the life of the church, is inseparable from Jesus. And note what Saul is com- confronted with. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus doesn't say, "Why are you throwing my followers in jail? Why did you stand by and watch Saul get murdered? Why, uh, sorry, um, Stephen get murdered? Why did you agree to that?" He didn't even ask, "Why have you been ignoring me all this time?" He said, "Why are you persecuting me?" Jesus gets to the heart of the problem in Saul's life. And if you're sitting here tonight without a relationship with Jesus, or if you're thinking about your non Christian friends, if they don't know Jesus and they die, and you don't know Jesus and you die, you're going to hell. That's what scripture tells us. Not my words, God's words. But they won't be going to hell because they lied. They won't be going to hell because they're drunk or worse drunk. They won't be going to hell because they had premarital sex. Heaven's going to be full of people who've done exactly that. They'll go to hell because they didn't acknowledge Jesus. Pure and simple. Acknowledging him as Lord and Savior. For all Saul has done, he suddenly has this epiphany. First, that this Jesus that he thought was long dead is actually alive. And secondly, because Jesus is alive, he must be who he claimed to be. He goes from persecuting the followers of Jesus to saying that he believes in this. It's incredible, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. This is This is Paul, or Saul, if you want to stick with the same name. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. It's such a fundamental turnaround for this man. Such a change from where he was. And I believe that Saul hated Jesus. He hated the followers of Jesus as well. And he's now so transformed that he says, if a man or woman does not respond to Jesus, if a man or woman does not love Jesus, if their lives do not reflect that love for Jesus, then let them be cursed. They're very strong words. But that's the point that Saul has arrived at. Jesus has suddenly confronted him and Saul has to make a choice. Just like every one of us has to make that choice when we're confronted by Jesus. We can choose to continue to go our own way, ignoring Jesus, or we can be humbled before a living God. Remember, Saul has been kicking against the goads. He's had all these little pinpricks along the way from Jesus trying to get his attention. And finally, Jesus has to take drastic action. Saul sees this incredible white light and he knows that this must be a God. Who are you, Lord? Saul's been rebelling against God. But as he's confronted with the glorified Christ, he finds himself face down. And he hears Jesus say, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And as I said before, Saul is suddenly confronted with what could be, or only could be, a terrifying truth for him. The Jesus he believed to be dead is very much alive in such an incredibly glorified manner that he must be the promised Messiah. And Saul is totally at Jesus' mercy. We know Saul was physically bowed before Jesus in this encounter, but I believe he was also spiritually bowed before him. Can you imagine all that hatred that he had directed at Jesus and his followers? The blood that was on his hand from Stephen and the other followers he had persecuted. And as that realization hits him, he's got to be remorseful. He must be repentant. He's humbled before the living Christ just as every human will be either here on earth or when they face him in eternity at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father the battle for Saul's soul is over He experienced a total conversion of will, intellect and emotion which dictated the abiding purpose and direction of his subsequent life and activity. And I believe from this moment on Saul is living a surrendered and transformed life. So many people come to Jesus but are they transformed? Saul's life is so totally transformed that everyone around him must be asking what happened. When we look at this, we have this little bit of added information again in 22. What shall I do, Lord? Again, that's not in the one we looked at this evening. Saul has acknowledged the lordship of Jesus and that's a huge step for him. Saul shows he is surrendered and obedient to the Lord because he does what he's told to do. And I believe this is the beginning of Saul's commission too. Jesus says, rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. And Saul is totally transformed. He's gone from breathing fire against Jesus and all his followers to submitting and in not as many words really saying, I know you are Lord now and I'm going to obey you and do whatever you call me to, wherever you send me, for as long as I am on this earth. With all I am and all I have. And it's no different for each and every christian our lives become a battle between the will of god and us obeying him and our own personal will saul chose total obedience total surrender and while he was waiting to hear all that was appointed for him he didn't remain idle he prayed for 3 days We talk about taking up our cross daily and following him, following Jesus. And Saul lives this out for us so we can see what it really means. Could you imagine how difficult his life suddenly became? His circle of influence, his circle of friends and peers are suddenly meaningless to him they're all gone because the Jesus he was persecuting is real he is the Messiah everything and everyone he stood with finished he's no longer doing what he wants to do he's killed his old soul and he has a desire and will to be taken and used by Jesus for whatever Jesus wants him to do he said what shall I do Lord And Saul has gone from being without Christ to expressing a Christian maturity that only comes for many of us in a lifetime. Many say they'll follow Jesus. Many say they'll submit. Many say they'll obey him. But do they? When we look at Saul's life, he verbally made that same commitment and then he lived it. He is a chosen instrument. The Lord said to him, Go for, to Ananias, sorry, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Saul has been called. And in case there's any misunderstanding, Saul clarifies things for us in Acts 22 where Saul is to be a witness for him, for Jesus, to everyone of what you have seen, what you have heard. There is nothing complicated about being a witness for Jesus. I've said it before, and no doubt I'll say it again many times, many more times. We are simply to tell everyone about what we've seen and heard when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. We're to talk about what he's done with us. And that's what Saul's called to do. And I believe that is what each and every one of us is called to do as well. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? If he has, then you have something to tell others. If he hasn't, then I have to seriously ask whether you're even Christian. Because he should have transformed your life. There should be a change. And Saul immediately begins to preach in the synagogues in Damascus. His message is stated here and seems quite simple. He simply proclaims Jesus is the Son of God. And I think it's interesting that Saul later writes in 1 Timothy 3.6 that new converts should not be leaders in the church. And although Saul begins to have an influence straight away, he is not a leader at this stage. He hasn't been called to any primary role in the church. This is a man who just desires to tell others about Jesus. In our account this evening, Saul is a chosen instrument of God. And I pray that we have a Saul present with us tonight. I pray there'll be someone who's raised up just like Saul. who will be a mighty man of God and do incredible things. But Ananias was also a chosen instrument. Ananias was the one who went to Saul under Jesus' guidance and laid hands on him that he may see, receive his sight, and receive Holy Spirit. I wonder what would have happened if Ananias had refused to go. We don't know. We can't speculate. Prior to what we read this evening, there's also these other guys involved. The guys that Saul was pursuing to persecute. They were also God's chosen instruments. They decided to flee when the persecution came. But as they fleed, they spoke about Jesus everywhere they went. And could you imagine what that was like for Saul as he's trying to pursue these guys? He keeps encountering these people whose lives have been transformed because of the gospel message that's been carried by the very people he wants to persecute and stop. It must have been so frustrating. If God can use Saul... He can use you. He can use your friends. There is no one beyond the reach of our Lord and Saviour. He is Lord. That's a fact. It's whether you accept it or not that makes the difference. I don't have question sheets for you tonight. I just want to finish with a few questions that I want you to think about yourself. Are you really saved? Do you know Jesus? Because if you don't, you can sort that tonight. Saul was an incredibly religious person. From outward appearances, he was doing everything correctly. He was living for God the way that he should. Is that you? Or do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you fully surrendered to Jesus? When you think about your life, is it a daily putting to death your old self, if you like, laying on the altar afresh, taking up your cross and following Christ? Is that you? Is that what you're doing? Have you held anything back? Jesus has got to have everything. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Are you available for him to use? Or is there so much of the world crowding in and taking your time that you just don't have time for God and you push him aside? You don't spend time with him reading the word. You don't pray. You don't engage with Christian brothers and sisters. Are you willing to be used by him? I've said it before. The answer should be, Yes. And what was the question, Lord? If we are willing to serve Him unconditionally, His requests of us should not matter. We should just be willing to do whatever He calls us. But we need to realize He will never force us. We have to be willing instruments in His hands. He's chosen instruments if we'll humble ourselves before him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you again for this word. It's a challenging word again, Lord, and I I just thank you for this incredible account of Saul. I thank you, Lord, that, I don't know, if he was my mate, I think it was a lost cause. I don't think he'd ever come to you. But, Lord, that's where your grace and mercy and compassion just shines so abundantly. You reached into his life just like you reached into my life, like you've done for so many people here this evening. And Lord, I just pray that we won't take that for granted. I pray that our lives will be lives that are truly transformed by you, by power of Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, if there's people here who don't know you, that they'll get that, that they'll understand that a life with you is something that has so much value, is so exciting, Lord, so fulfilling. And that, Lord, the hope we have for a life eternally with you is just beyond anything on this earth. Lord, let us get excited about our faith with you. Forgive us when we're not. And, Lord, if there's people here tonight that you're working in their hearts, they know who they are, Lord. Just give them the courage to speak to a Christian brother or sister to come forward for prayer after the service, Lord, whatever it is just give them that courage Lord so we can see people brought into your kingdom we can see people built up in your kingdom we can see each and every person walking closer with you pray these things in Jesus name Amen Well, guys we do have a bit of a supper on tonight so uh, please hang around get to know someone you don't know so well but this week I really do pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you I pray that you will know his presence and power I pray that his word will be new to you each and every day. And I pray that you'll have a Christian brother or sister that you can contact and encourage to walk in the ways of our Lord. God bless one and all. Thank you for being here.